This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. Pro-life activist Abby Johnson, who used to work at Planned Parenthood, did the nation a tremendous service this week when she pointed out at the RNC that Planned Parenthood abortion facilities are strategically located in minority neighborhoods. She also noted she was awarded Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award and was invited to their annual gala where they present the Margaret Sanger Award, which she said amounts to an annual celebration of Planned Parenthood's racist roots. Now, as we know, the abortion giant is under increased pressure to admit the obvious. Planned Parenthood of Greater New York recently announced it would remove Sanger's name from its Manhattan Health Center because of her ties to the eugenics movement. And furthermore, BuzzFeed News is now out with a story revealing the complaints of 26 employees at Planned Parenthood affiliates and some other pro-abortion groups like NARAL. And these employees discuss the toxic work environments and racism that they encountered working in the abortion industry. One woman put it this way, I have never been treated so horribly in my life as I was at Planned Parenthood. We're going to discuss all this now with Mark Crutcher, who is president of Life Dynamics Incorporated. It was his pro-life group that produced the 2009 documentary MAFA 21, which showed that the legalization of abortion was never about women's rights, but was all about eugenics and racial genocide. And he's now calling for the immediate defunding of these abortion groups, as well as a congressional investigation into matters related to racial discrimination and hate crimes by these organizations. Mark, so good to have you with us. How are you doing today? Just fine, Janet. I hadn't heard from you for a while. It it is wonderful to have you back, and I'm so glad that you're doing this. You must be scratching your head and saying, I've been trying to tell you guys this for quite a few years. It's good to see that you're finally noticing. I mean, this can't be surprising to you. It's not surprising at all, and it vindicates everything that we've been saying since 2009 when we released my offer 21. Um, And it's if you think about it for a minute, Janet, it's really irrational to think that an entity that began as an instrument of racial uh, genocide, racial purity is basically what they were calling it, um, to get rid of blacks and other minorities, that they are going to th- create this organization that's then going to treat their minority employees or their minority clients um, in an appropriate fashion. It's, it's irrational to think that that would happen. Yeah. So all of this, you're right, all of this stuff coming out um, certainly doesn't surprise us. We, I, I, I don't want to sound like it's bragging, but we were on the forefront of this issue um, when we released my, released my Alpha 21. You were? And it has, over the last nine, or, uh, sorry, uh, since 2009, it has led to an explosion of African Americans and Hispanics coming into the pro-life movement, and we're really proud of that. But um, this shouldn't be surprising anybody. And we also did a, a survey, by the way, uh, or a study on the locations of Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics um, in the country. And we have a thing called a racial targeting report, which people can go on our website and see, and it shows clearly 
that these communities have been specifically targeted, just like they said they were going to, starting back in the 50s. So uh, this is not surprising. No, it's not surprising, but I'm wondering if this is kind of an interesting development, because on the one hand, you have the left wanting to, you know, get back America for its systemic racism. But when it comes to pointing out the racism, the inherent racism of the abortion industry, they might remove a Margaret Sanger name from a particular health center in New York. But but what is the likelihood that Planned Parenthood is ever going to really come clean? It would be the end of them. Well, the, the removal of the Margaret Sanger's name from that facility in New York was rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yes. I mean, it really doesn't, doesn't mean a whole lot. They still have their number one award that they give out every year. It's still called the Margaret Sanger Award. Right. Um, so they haven't distanced themselves much. They're doing a little window dressing, basically. Ironically, Janet, one of the things that we have noticed lately, and we are launching a campaign to, to deal with this, the Black Lives Matter situation is actually increasing the number of African Americans who are concerned about the genocide being carried out by Planned Parenthood and the rest of these abortion clinics. Good. Because good. what's happening, what we've seen happen, um, is that it is activating a lot of people into the, the Black Lives Matter movement that are... Not all of them, but a lot of them are pretty intellectually dishonest. I mean, pretty intellectually honest, and they come in and they say, "Well, wait a minute. If we're concerned about systemic racism and having been targeted of hate crimes and so forth, why are we ignoring this?" Yeah. When they have clearly said they were going to target us, this Life Dynamics group with their Mafia Twenty One documentary has proved it that that's what was happening. Uh, it has happened. And right now, um, black women make up just a little over 12% of all the women in the country, and they have over 30% of the abortions. Yeah, it's crazy. And in reality, Janet, I want you to think about this. A lot of these people are so concerned about voter suppression in the black community. Nothing, nothing has suppressed black vote or reduced black political power like abortion. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and it's funny how you now see these employees coming forward and saying these people are racist. These people are racist. We're not being treated the same as whites are inside the organization. But even on a point like I was mentioning at the outside of the show where Abby Johnson said this week, Planned Parenthood, like you said, Mark, is strategically locating abortion clinics in minority neighborhoods. Do you think that the black community is waking up to the targeting alongside some of the internal problems at the abortion groups themselves? Oh, absolutely. We see it every day. And uh, again, it has led, led to an explosion. Our, our documentary and then later on our report on racial targeting um, has led to an explosion, of, of particularly in the, in the African-American community. And a lot of people are asking some very difficult questions of the abortion lobby, and they don't have an answer. What are they going to do? Yeah, right. Well, that's right. Now, now, when you're talking about the targeting of minority neighborhoods and when you look at the overwhelming abortion rate within the black community, what can be done? Um, certainly, they have a lot of political support from the left and Planned Parenthood calls so many shots with these big politicians on the left. What can be done? You're calling for a congressional investigation, for example, in defunding. Where do we begin to right this wrong? Well, the first thing that needs to happen, and it needs to happen today, is for uh, President Trump to issue an executive order 
immediately halting all funding of Planned Parenthood and the rest of these uh, what are called reproductive uh, rights organizations that are promoting racism and hate crimes. Yeah. That needs to happen today. Be great. The second thing that needs to happen is a congressional investigation into the behavior of these organizations to do two things. To first make sure that this funding is never restored. But I think a legitimate argument can be made, Janet, that if we can demonstrate, and we can, that these groups have engaged in this systemic racism, I think the federal government is uh, totally within its rights to not only deny them federal future funding, but to 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 demand past funding that they've been given is returned. Wow, that would be great. That would be great. But this is, you know, this is such a pet issue for the left. You have the problem of a lot of these Democrats doing anything that Planned Parenthood wants. But given Lena Wen being ousted and and some of the problems internally that Planned Parenthood has had, do you see Planned Parenthood becoming? weaker or or stronger right now? Because some of the data really indicates that they're under more fire than they have been, maybe ever. They they are under enormous pressure right now. And, you know, I think I was on your show back in 2016 or 2015 when we were talking about the uh, race between Clinton and, um, and Trump. Yeah. And I had written an article in which I said that I thought Planned Parenthood was laying the groundwork for once Hillary Clinton was was elected, because they were absolutely, as as everybody was, 1,000% convinced that her her election was inevitable. Yes. There was no way it was not, not going to happen, right? They were going to make Planned Parenthood an agency of the federal government. I remember that, Mark. You know what? I want to come back to that discussion. We do need to pause for a very short break. Mark Crutcher from Life Dynamics, we're going to come right back. Stay with us here on Janet Meffer today. Are you in need of a healthcare program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month. And there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now 855-565-2561. 855-565-2561. This is the story of a young mom in crisis who felt alone and desperate when finding out she was pregnant. After meeting with the counselors at Preborn and seeing her baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat, she knew that life was the best choice. My mind changed completely from the abortion the first time that I visited. It's a fact. When a mom in crisis sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, eight out of ten times, she'll choose life for her baby. I know God wouldn't have wanted me to just throw my blessings like that. 
Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the United States. One ultrasound costs just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. Would you please consider helping us to support Preborn and the cause for life? To donate, just call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. All gifts are tax deductible. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, it is interesting to see Planned Parenthood and the rest of big abortion coming under increasing pressure from black employees within the abortion industry who are now coming out in this BuzzFeed news story complaining about racism and toxic work environments. And of course, this doesn't come as any surprise to those of us who are pro-life. We know the eugenics roots of Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger and the entire eugenics movement. And it is a good development. Mark Crutcher is with us and his wonderful group. Life Dynamics put out that great 2009 documentary, Mafia 21, showing that this is all about eugenics, the abortion industry, and calling for some action. Um, Mark, we were talking before we went to the break, and you were recalling an interview that you and I did a few years back where we were talking about Planned Parenthood laying the groundwork to be able to be folded into the auspices of the federal government in tandem with the Democrats. That's still in your mind. Is that still something that is potentially in the works if, in fact, Biden does win the presidency? I think there's no doubt about it. Um, we, we saw a lot of evidence, and I think I talked about it at the time when we, when we were on with you in, back in 2015, um, that they were laying the groundwork for this, that this is what was happening. They were wanting Planned Parenthood to become an agency. Um, I think they were modeling it after the um, uh, agencies for uh, veteran, Veterans Administration. Yes. And veterans' hospitals and VA hospitals and so forth. Um, it was pretty clear that that's what they were doing. And Hillary Clinton, on almost every st- uh, campaign s- speech that she did, would say something glowing about Planned Parenthood. And it, it was clear that they were laying the groundwork for that. Um, her defeat, I think they look at as okay, that set us back four years. Right. But as soon as Biden and Kamala Harris are in, um, we'll be able to start this again. And I think that them distancing themselves from Margaret Sanger is part of that. Hmm. I, it would be very difficult to have an organization that's totally wrapped around Margaret Sanger to be brought into the federal government. That, that'd be a PR problem for it them. So I be. think that that's just more indication that um, they're still planning on doing that. I think they'll bring them in if they can, if if Biden and, God forbid, Biden and... and uh, Harris are elected, um, they'll bring in Planned Parenthood and fold them into the Department of Health and Human Services. And um, so that's just another reason we've got to be seeing this election is so crucial because I don't have any doubt that that's what they're doing. And And I'm not a guy that believes in all the, you know, conspiracy theories and sees a communist under every bed and all that. Right. But the overwhelming, the evidence for it was just overwhelming back in 2015. 
And I don't think anything has changed. Oh, I agree with you. I think you were spot on then, and I think you're spot on now. The question is, though, when you're talking about it's you know awkward to have Margaret Sanger associated with Planned Parenthood, you can't erase your history. And I know in your great documentary, you get into all of the background about the, the racist roots of Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Can you give people kind of a, a brief timeline on why you say that, in fact, this was always about eugenics and racial genocide from the very get-go. Well, one of the things that's interesting, uh, Janet, and by the way, people, if they want to see the documentary, they can go to MAAFA21, M-A-A-F-A-21.com, and they can watch it for free. Or if they want to order a DVD, they can there, but they can watch it for free, or you can watch it for free online. Um, but they, um, they really never tried to hide this agenda when they, when they launched it back in the, really, uh, in the late 1800s and up until the 1950s, um, they were not using abortion as the instrument to do it. They were using uh, sterilization. And they actually created, uh, most people don't realize this, and we, we document it in the, in the movie, um, there were eugenics boards in 33 states around the country. And this isn't like it was something that happened thousands of years ago. The last eugenics board was in Oregon in 1984. Oh, boy. So, uh, and they sterilized hundreds of thousands of people. And um, you might not be surprised to find out that they were almost all black and other other minority groups, Um, almost exclusively black, though. But um, so they really made no, no bones about it. And one of the interesting things was when we started researching this, I had known about it for years, but we had didn't have the budget to research it, but we had a donation come in that allowed us to do this. And it took us about three years to gather all the data f- for, the, for the documentary. Um, one of the things we discovered that was so interesting to me was that the initial anti-abortion groups in America were not National Right to Life or American Life League or Life Dynamics or any of these other groups that you might think about. It was the Black Panthers. Hmm. It was the Nation of Islam. Hmm. It was all of these people that back in the 60s were considered uh, radical um, civil rights advocates. Stokely Carmichael, who coined the term uh, Black Panthers, uh, he spoke out about this. Uh, Elijah Muhammad um, spoke out about it. He wrote a book called A Message to the Black Man in America, and two chapters in there are donated uh, uh, to the issue of abortion and birth control in the black community. These groups openly stated that they saw the legalization of abortion, the call for the legalization of abortion back in the 60s, as a way to rid the country of the black population. Hmm. They openly stated that. So these were the first people who recognized what was going on. And even somebody like Jesse Jackson um, back in the 60s was saying he thought it was odd he said that at the very time when blacks stood up and said, we're not going to sit on the back of the bus anymore and we're demanding our equal rights, all of a sudden there's this big cry for legalized abortion and they're putting all the facilities in our neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah. Um, so these guys recognize that um, and, and we document all this. We found some things that were amazing. There were, there were calls to put um, birth control chemicals in the water supply that went to minority neighborhoods. Oh. Um, there were all kinds of things like that that you just wouldn't think 
would ever fly in America, but these people were pushing for this. And a lot of them were people that were affiliated with the American eugenics movement, which Margaret Sanger belonged to, um, and to they were, they were speakers for Planned Parenthood. We've got all that documented in the in the documentary as well. Some of them were affiliated with the Nazis in in Germany. Um, so this has been going on for a long time, and I think I would inc- I would encourage, especially African Americans out there, to go back and read the history of the '60s civil rights movement. And see what these people were saying. Read uh, um, a message to the black man in America, and see what the, these guys were saying at the time. And look how it's come true today. <laughs> and that's what we proved with our racial targeting report that we did. Again, you can see that at LifeDynamics.com. Mm-hmm. Um, they specifically targeted the black community with birth control and later with abortion. That was the goal. That was what they were try- attempting to accomplish, was to wipe out, wipe out those communities. It's amazing. And the history is undeniable. It's just a matter of getting people to read it or to watch it in MAFA 21, as you've mentioned, Mark, just to be educated on what's going on. Because think how gross this is, that these same activists who were fully aware of what was being done in terms of targeting the black community with abortion through this industry, this evil industry, are now complicit with Planned Parenthood. And at it's, some point, it's, incre- the, it's incredible. And some, at some point, the jig is up. Yeah, it, it is absolutely incredible. You know, one of the things that we discovered um, in doing our research from AFA, and I had never heard this before either, is that during the time of slavery, there were actually slaves in America, enslaved people in America, that got their freedom through one method or another, and then went out and bought slaves themselves. Hmm. One of the biggest slave owners in North Carolina, for example, uh, was an African-American himself. And my view is that these people in the black community that have sold out the black community uh, by supporting abortion, when they know the, the racist history of it, they're no different than those blacks that went out and bought slaves. Yeah. They're yeah. no different than them at all. Yeah. Well, and it would be wonderful if we continue to see this groundswell in the black community of pro-lifers. And there are an increasing number of them in the black community who are waking up to all of this and saying, hey, wait a minute. If we're going to make the claim with the small BLM that black lives do matter, which they certainly do, then don't we have to deal with abortion and the targeting of the black community and all of this? I mean, this this could potentially, you know, going along with what you're suggesting, Mark, that the government ought to do, this could potentially really turn on the left if this continues to grow in this way oh absolutely i'm telling you i think that this campaign that we're that we're launching right now i can't give you all the details about it some of it we're doing behind the scenes uh, but you'll hear about it eventually um i think it has the potential of putting um the democrats for example the democrat party between a rock and a hard spot yeah they're going to have to choose between fighting racism and defending the abortion industry. Right, right. And that's going to put them in a really difficult situation. 
It certainly is. And I, and I think it's really important for pro-lifers, especially in an election year, to keep the heat up. You know, as you mentioned before, the need for President Trump to put forward an executive order halting all funding to big abortion and also the importance of a congressional investigation into the behavior of these organizations, uh, including, you know, whatever happened to that Planned Parenthood investigation on the body parts trafficking? I mean, we just we need an update on that as well. Yeah, well, that was our project, too, yeah. the ones who went undercover and under, uncovered that. Yeah. Um, Planned Parenthood has been given a free ride for years. And if, if you'd like to have me back on sometime, I'd be happy to tell you why I think that is. You bet. Um, but they've been given a free ride for years. But I think that it, it might be coming to an end. Uh, the, you know, the, it's the old thing, the emperor has no clothes. Yep. And they're being exposed uh, for exactly what they are, and people are saying, "Wait a minute, we don't, we can't justify giving them federal funds yep. even more than we could justify giving them to the Ku Klux Klan." That's right. Mark, we'll do another interview soon. Check out Mafia21.com and LifeDynamics.com. Mark Crutcher, God bless you. Thanks for being here. We'll be right back. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Is the Affordable Care Act about to go down? On November 10th, the U.S. Supreme Court has said it will hear the Trump administration-backed challenge to Obamacare just a week after the presidential election. Now, you'll recall that Congress, back in 2017, cut the tax penalty for people without health insurance to zero. That led Texas and other states to sue and argue that since the individual mandate was no longer tied to a specific tax penalty, the whole law should go down. And even in December, a federal appeals court held that the individual mandate was unconstitutional. It did not, however, rule on whether or not the whole law should remain. This is an incredibly important case coming up, and it raises the question, how will Americans be affected if Obamacare is ultimately struck down? We're going to get some thoughts on it now from Matt Bellis, Chief Communications Officer for Liberty HealthShare, a national nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry. Matt, so good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. What are your thoughts on this upcoming Obamacare case that is going to go before the Supreme Court not too long from now? Well, as members of Healthcare Sharing Ministry, we're very much interested in taking the responsibility and the care of our health and bringing it down to the individual as much as possible. And with laws and regulations like the Affordable Care Act, it tends to empower insurance companies uh, and, and large-scale systems rather than trying to do the, the, the right thing, what we would say, and to bring that down to as small uh, a decision-making as, as possible through the patient and the physician. So we want to change that relationship, and having the freedom in healthcare that we need is what's necessary to bring that relationship about. And unfortunately, laws like the ACA just don't do that. They they bring a top-down, one-size-fits-all model to the uh, to the equation. And we have seen over the past uh, few years of having the Affordable Care Act in place, it has done nothing but drive up costs, uh, increase complexity reduce accessibility. 
So if there was a mission statement to the ACA, I don't think it fulfilled it. Yeah, well, right. We have a lot of horror stories that have come out where people were just priced out of their insurance. Of course, that has been a benefit for Liberty HealthShare because you've had a lot more people come on board saying, I want a new philosophy for how I should pay for my medical expenses. We've talked about this before. You have a third party payer system inherent to health insurance and the the way that people use health insurance. And a lot of people are used to that. But Liberty HealthShare has a different philosophy. And for a lot of people, this is a new thing. And they say, I've never heard of anybody doing this way of paying for medical expenses via sharing. Can you explain for newbies how it all works and how it really does differ from medical insurance? Well, you are right when it comes to the third-party payment uh, uh, system. It is a overly complex, very bureaucratic uh, insurance model that a lot of people are just used to. And changing the thought process to a system that is more private pay, individuals, neighbor helping neighbor, uh, sounds very novel and it sounds very different. But frankly, it's what you would normally do if ever you had a situation that would come up that was unexpected and unaffordable. Uh, If you had a large-scale problem, you would turn to your community. You'd turn to your neighbors and your friends and your family. And so what we have done with Liberty HealthShare is just systematize that. We've taken the power of the private pay patient and put them in in the power seat, give them the power of the purse strings to make the decisions that are necessary for themselves and their families for their health care, and then empowered them with a community to help them in their time of need. So it's no different than if you were to go to church and say, hey, everybody, I broke my arm. Here's the medical bill. I need some help and people coming up and giving you money. That's what we've done. Just systematized it, made it very much, uh, much more efficient, much more effective. Each and every month, we're sharing in medical bills And it's just been fantastic since the beginning. Well, right. And what's interesting, many people are interested to hear that Liberty HealthShare was allowed to operate under Obamacare. What was the reason that health sharing ministries like yours got that carve out? Well, it really was, I have to say, an act of God. Uh, there was a, a meeting, a per-chance meeting on an airplane between a healthcare sharing ministry executive and a congressman. And so what do you do on a plane between those two types of folks? Well, you talk about what you do. Sure, right. <laughs> it was during the time of the ACA. And so the question was brought up, what are healthcare sharing ministries going to be doing uh, during this, uh, th- this overreach of, uh, of healthcare, of governmental healthcare? And so they started talking about how healthcare sharing ministries would be impacted. Fast forward to there, it was a Democrat senator who actually introduced a portion into the legislation that exempted the members of health care sharing ministries from the uh, Affordable Care Act mandates. So the fines and the mandates of the Affordable Care Act, our members were exempted from. And it was a very, uh, I would just say, an act of God when it came to do that. And our members uh, were very happy to to have it that way. That is fascinating. The story behind the story. (laughs) We don't often get that. That's, That's interesting. But I mean, that has been very significant for people because one of the downsides, as we were discussing, of the, you know, ACA has been these skyrocketing medical premiums. And even if you're not signed up through Obamacare, people have seen this in their, you know, their, their employer's health insurance, you've seen these premiums go way through the roof. When you are bringing somebody on from a medical insurance plan who now is coming into a healthcare sharing ministry like Liberty HealthShare, 
what are some of the things they have to overcome just in their mindset in order to really experience the benefits of healthcare sharing? Well, healthcare sharing is not third-party payment systems. We're all each individually responsible for our own health care and our own health care bills. And then when we have those medical bills that are outside our ability to pay, uh, that's when our members come together to share in those medical expenses. So after what we say our annual unshared amount, that's when the sharing begins. And to treat health care sharing like any other third-party payment system really does a disservice to the community and doesn't engage you into your health care to which that is necessary to unleash those powerful cost containment measures that are necessary for your for your health care so it really does change the mindset from entitlement mentalities to an ownership mindset. Because an ownership mindset looks at their healthcare and says, well, what is this actually going to cost? It asks their doctor, are there a, is there a generic prescription instead of uh, this name brand one? Or is there a treatment that we can do later or spread these things out or do this at a surgery center or an easier place to to take care of uh, my particular need? You know, it is engaged. It is somebody who is a part of it and somebody who is uh, concerned with how the treatment of their health is going to go. And if you're a third-party payment system uh, person and you're often used to, uh, you know, frankly, an entitlement mentality where you just pay your premium and then you just get whatever's coming to you, uh, that's not going to work at all. We need people who are engaged, people who are ready to take responsibility for their health care. And the benefit of that is an immense amount of freedom within your health care and a fantastic uh, sense of accessibility and, uh, and choice in your actual medical care. Yeah, we all like that. We all like the choice. And, and you're not tied in to a network, so you can choose your doctor, you can choose your facility, the hospital, where you want to go. And, and one of the things that really is beneficial, as we've discussed before, Matt, is the fact that you're not going to have to go against your conscience. That's something that was a big issue with the Affordable Care Act when it came on with people saying, well, I don't want to pay for abortion. I don't want to have to pay for certain things that go against my conscience. Plus the personal fact where you can go on your account, you can see who you're helping, you can pray for other people, you can send them a note of encouragement. There's there's a personal aspect to it that is missing when you are using health insurance as well. Janet, the conscience aspect of healthcare is something that has been overlooked for decades. And even within the ACA, our money is being utilized, if you're a part of a third-party payment system, is utilized towards those things that you would never consciously pay for. Right. And so we as individual Christians and as people who would have problems with the, our conscience violated within healthcare need to seriously do the homework to find out how our money is actually being used within these systems. And if it is, escape to a way that you know that it is never going to be used in uh, in a conscious violating way ever very good. again very good matt we got to run but check out libertyhealthshare.org matt bellis with us thanks a lot matt and we'll be back
Did you know that over 18 million babies have been aborted worldwide since January 1st? Every single one of these babies died during the COVID-19 pandemic. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has plan for them is taken from them violently so often. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the United States and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. Would you help show that these babies' lives are not forgotten? Preborn is there for women in crisis who want to make the right choice, but society tells them that a preborn baby is not a human life. I was afraid. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. Everybody wanted me to have an abortion. Preborn shines light into a mother's womb, introducing her to the beautiful life growing inside of her. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. The cost of one ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds cost $140. To donate, just call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. I'm going to keep my baby, and I'm going to be a great mom. Every baby's life is important. Would you please join with Janet Meffer today and Preborn in the Cause for Life? All gifts are tax deductible. And when you donate, you'll receive an ultrasound picture, along with stories of other babies' lives that were spared. Call now, 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. I want to go back to the subject of what is going on in this country. As you know, there has been incredible violence in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's been going on now several days. And now this 17-year-old has been charged with first-degree murder because of these rioters who were armed and there was an altercation and he shot them. It's getting out of control quickly and it's becoming more and more obvious that the left doesn't want to denounce it. They are digging it. They're loving it. Now, From my perspective, and perhaps from your perspective, it's a little weird that they would think this will help them in November, because regardless of what their aims are ultimately and how many people on the streets are willing to do their bidding for a little cash, most I I have to believe that most people in this country, not only on the right, but also on the left, really don't want a violent revolution taking place across the United States of America. I don't think that that is the will of the people. I think that's the will of some people, and I think that's the will of too many elites, but I don't believe it is the will of the average voter. I think you could get people on the left to say, we need to protest racial injustice and police brutality, and that's as far as they go. But they're not saying, hey, let's have another French Revolution and get the guillotine out. I don't think most people are going down that road. But listen to how Hillary Clinton has responded about the November election. If you will recall back in 2016, you know, she lost the presidential election and that was not supposed to happen, but she had a difficult time coming forward and conceding. Remember that? I remember that. We were watching election night and it was clear that Trump had just won and we were waiting for Hillary to come forward and we were waiting, we were waiting and we were waiting. She did not want to come forward and say, yes, I lost. 
It was too injurious to her pride. But she has said something in a new interview that I think is jaw-dropping. And I'll tell you why after I play it for you. Now, she had done this interview with her former communications director, Jennifer Palmieri, for Showtime's The Circus. And this was a portion of that particular interview. Listen to cut one. They have a couple of scenarios that they're looking toward. One is messing up absentee balloting so that they then get maybe a narrow advantage in the Electoral College on Election Day. Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as focused and relentless as the other side is. Well, that's pretty disturbing. What do you mean Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances? What if Donald Trump wins in a landslide, Hillary? What does the vote count actually have to be in order to concede the election? Well, according to Hillary Clinton, it doesn't matter how many votes Trump gets. Don't concede. Well, that's the way she rolls. That's the way the left rolls. They're very desperate and they have a plan. They have a plan, and the plan is Trump's going to lose. We're going to make sure that Trump loses. But here's the thing. Trump is not your average, as you might have noticed, political animal. He fights back. He's tough. He knows what's going on. And I would imagine he has a fair amount of emotional momentum coming into this election precisely because of what the left has been doing to him for the last four years. So there's fight on the right in a way that I have not seen in a very long time, if ever. So this is an interview that MSNBC did with John Heileman. He's an editor at The Recount. And he says, rightly, that conservatives have been seizing on this clip of Hillary Clinton to show how revolution-minded the left is, and by the way, they are. But then listen to how he goes on about it. This is cut two. The president's team put it up on his YouTube page, basically saying, you know, Hillary Clinton is advising Joe Biden to try to steal the election. There's been an incredible amount of invective thrown her way, as there always is when she says something controversial from the right. But on the left in the Democratic Party, they've all been saying, right, she's she's telling the truth right here. And and, and she's given him very good advice. And I, I guess I would say, you know, Donald Trump has made it very clear over the last months that if and that any result other than a clear cut victory for him, which is to say at any result by which Joe Biden might win, he's going to challenge. He's going to say that the race was illegitimate. He's going to blame mail in voting. He's going to say the system was rigged and he's going to litigate like crazy. Hillary Clinton here seems to be essentially saying this is what Donald Trump's going to do. Joe Biden, you better get ready to do the same thing, that we're going to be likely in an overtime situation, that this is going to be a, not a clear cut uh, outcome on election night and that you better lawyer up and get ready for the fight that might play out not just in one Florida situation like in 2000, but in multiple Floridas, so to speak, uh, from November all the way through potentially to January. And to me, that that may be polarizing to partisans, but that seems to me to be a pretty clear eyed assessment of where we're headed. Well, first of all, this is not 2000. This is not 2000 where you had one state and hanging chads and there was a question whether or not because the vote totals were so close if Bush or Gore had actually prevailed in Florida. This is not that. We have a violent revolution going on in the streets of the United States. This isn't the year 2000. And by the way, I really do believe the old adage, paraphrase, that when someone shows you who she is, believe her. 
Let's listen, for example, to what the former First Lady Michelle Obama had to say last week at the DNC, just to spur on your memory. This is cut three. So if you take one thing from my words tonight, it is this. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. We have got to vote like we did in 2008 and 2012. We've got to show up with the same level of passion and hope for Joe Biden. Well, again, we go back to the adage, when someone shows you who she is, believe her. Believe her. She was never proud of her country until Barack Obama was elected. What does that say about your love of country versus your ideological aims to fundamentally transform that country with your community organizer husband who learned the trade at the feet of Bill Ayers? Just don't forget where these people are coming from and what their ideology is and what their aims are for this country. We know what happened under Obama for eight years, and we saw how Christians were treated. And by the way, have you noticed what has been going on increasingly among these rioters? First, we had the Bibles being burned in Portland, and the media came out with this ridiculous claim, oh, this was overblown. It was only a couple Bibles. Oh, okay, that's much better. What would they have said if there were Korans being burned? I I recall what happened when Korans were being burned by that Florida pastor with about 10 people in his church. He became an international criminal in many people's minds. You know, this guy must go. This guy must be destroyed. He burned a page of the Koran. He, he burned the Koran. But Portland rioters on the left can burn Bibles, and that's no big deal. But now we have a couple of other incidents to add to the tally. We have what went on in Washington, D.C. I'm sure you've seen these video cuts. If not, you need to get on Twitter and look at some of these videos. You had a mob in Washington, D.C., cornered these white patrons at this cafe, this restaurant, and there's one particular clip where they are screaming in this young white girl's face, trying to get her to put up a power fist, which not only is a sign of Black Lives Matter, but of communism. She refused to do it, and this one woman, this terrorist rioter, gets in her face and says, are you a Christian? Does that freak you out a little bit, that that's where we're at? Not only that, but there have been marchers in Charlotte this week and some video footage came out. I'm not even going to tell you what they said because it was such blasphemy against the Lord Jesus Christ. But they were very plain in their vulgarities about God himself. These people hate Christians and they hate Christianity. And it just should be a reminder for us that we need to see this as the spiritual battle as well as the political battle that it is. It is a spiritual battle. Anytime you see Christianity on one side and another movement on the other and the other movement hates Christians, you can tell where that movement is coming from. It's coming from hell itself. It is. You want to tear down the greatest nation in the world, just destroy it? Who is the enemy but the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy We know from scripture who the enemy is and we know his children are like their father. So what are we doing watching some of these woke evangelical leaders embracing Black Lives Matter as if it's just about racial justice? It's not. It's about a revolution and it will continue to spread. 
if we continue to allow these people to woo us into the idea that, oh, well, we're, we, we just want to make sure that the election and all the votes are counted fairly. That's why Hillary is saying that Joe Biden should never concede. And what are you worried about with Michelle Obama saying mm, it can get worse if you don't vote the right way? These people are telling you who they are. That's why Maximo Alvarez's speech earlier this week was so riveting, because he saw it before in Cuba. And it's why I keep trying to tell people as loudly as I can and as often as I can, be on your guard. Be on your guard and pray for this country. Thank you for being with us. We've got to leave it there, but we'll see you next time on Janet Meffer Today.